Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Time Warner building here in rainy New York City. Yes, I am back in New York after quite a while. Um, and it was a good trip. My sister got married. Congratulations, princess. And someone took drunk gossip a little too far and made it a little too literal for the family, if you know what I'm saying. But, you know, what do you expect? It's what I get paid to do. Um, so, we are going to talk about Julie Chen today. Um, I, and I wanted to cover the story last week, but I was busy with um, wedding stuff and writing articles and just... Which we're going to talk about one of the articles I wrote a little bit later in the, in the episode. Um, but Julie Chen has officially announced that she's leaving the talk. And just just before um, we get too far into this, I want to say, CNN is getting credit for breaking the story. They did not break the story. Page Six broke the story, and I did an article right after they did. I don't know why Page Six is not getting credit. I'm not saying I deserve credit by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it really bothers me that Page Six is not getting the credit for breaking the story when it was their story. They're the ones who who broke it first. Um, and, but this was fully expected that she was going to be leaving because, um, as Joy Behar on The View said, how do you talk about the Me Too stuff? How do you deal with all that when your husband is at the, is the center of his very own Me Too scandal? Um, and, and that was just a question I don't think that we could ever get over because... Frankly, it would be very disingenuous for her to say we stand up for all women when she's calling the women who accused her husband liars, essentially. Um, she hasn't come out and said that, but by standing by Les Munez and not condemning him publicly, that, that's her way of saying, I believe my husband. And in fact, in her statement, she did say, I, I believe my husband, I don't... Whatever. So, you know, obviously it would have been very interesting um, to have someone with that opinion that some of these women are lying although how 14 women are lying about him forcing them and whatever and that's not even that's not even the considering the um, um, I cannot think of her name right now the creator of Designing Women the, the harassment and the bullying that she put up with from Les Munez um, you know, that should be taken into consideration as well. While it wasn't, a, it wasn't sexual abuse, it wasn't sexual assault or anything like that, it was still an abuse of power. Um, so last Thursday, Julie Chen signed off of, from Big Brother um, with the tag from outside the Big Brother house, I'm Julie Chen Munez, which is the very first time she's ever used that. People are arguing that she shouldn't be punished for um, her husband's crimes, and they're completely correct. However, you can't... The talk is a topical show. Maybe it's not as heated or politically charged as The View. But it is very, very... You know, it's designed to be a View knockoff, which means they are going to have discussions 
Um, and you can't have a Me Too discussion without bringing up Les Munez. And to have his wife sitting there, like I said, would be very disingenuous. So, um, she, she resigned. Page six, who actually, and again, I just, I'm emphasizing this because it's very important to me for everyone to realize page six broke this story. Um, page six says that even though they're going to let her say that it was her decision to move on, she was probably forced out. Um, it would not be a big shock to find out later on that she was forced out of this, um, that she was forced out of this because, um, for the very reason that she, you can't do the Michi topic, you can't, um, you, you can't talk about things when you're, one of your co-hosts won't acknowledge that her husband did them. Um, you also, um, you can also expect speculation to start ramping up about who will replace her. And we will talk about that, um, either later on in this episode or in a future. In either case, I'm going to go and be right back. And I'm back. So, this weekend was just a great, great time, and, um, there were, there were no, there was no drama, well, there was only the drama you would expect associated with a wedding. Um, But, you know, there was no major falling out. Um, I was staying with my best friend and his husband. And, you know, you know, there was just, we all joke around. We, we say things. Um, sometimes we mean them, sometimes we don't, you know. But that's just the type of relationship I have with those guys. Asa Argento and Rose McGowan apparently do not have a relationship where honesty is the best policy. Because yesterday, Asia put out a very stern warning to Rose McGowan that she retract her statement about um, Asia molesting and sexually assaulting uh, Jamie Bennett. And Rose McGowan was like, hmm, fuck you, no, you did it. Those were not, please don't quote me, those were not actually Rose's words, at least not publicly. Whatever she said in private, I don't know. I'm not privy to that. Um, but, um, basically, Rose is like, no, I'm not retracting my statement because I said what I said. And so today, um, Asia has gone through with filing the uh, libel lawsuit against Rose. Now, here's the thing. And... I don't know if this is just grandstanding for Asia to try to prove she's innocent or what. But Rose didn't say anything that was actually technically liable. Liable, not liable. Liable. Um, so, as a writer, I have to know the difference. I can say Channing Tatum is fat. The reason why I can say this is because it's my opinion. 
or it, it could be my opinion. Will it affect his career? Maybe. Um, but it's not very likely. And, you know, there are pictures on the internet to back up my, my assessment. Now, someone could come to me and say, hey, Channing Tatum's not fat anymore. You know, look at this picture. Or the picture you saw of Channing Tatum was from years ago. That doesn't change the fact that he was fat. Um, so what, what basically Asia wants to do is say, you didn't see those text messages. You, uh, you are basing everything off of an, an assumption and an accusation made by this dude that I assaulted him when he was 17. And that's not true because Asia's partner, Rainbow, we're not going to get into that. Asia's partner, Rainbow, is the one who handed the text messages over to the authorities. So, it's not very likely that a partner is going to do something, turn something over to the police without talking to their spouse. And I know Rose and Rainbow are not married, but... Um, I didn't want to say partner again because that word really burns my craw. Um, so I, I would have to believe that Rainbow showed Rose. Possibly even when the conversation was happening. So Rose McGowan has nothing to worry about. And in her, in her statement, she said, come clean, be the person we wanted Harvey to be. So she, there was nothing liable about that. All the, you know, maybe her, 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 Asia's feelings because she's trying to build this lie that she didn't fuck an 18 year old or not, not even 18, 17, excuse me, 17 years old. She fucked a 17 year old dude. Um, the one thing is in the text messages, she does claim that he jumped her. But no one seems to buy that. And she also said that he, that she didn't know he was underage, which people also call BS on, because Asia Argento is a liar. And if she wants to sue me for defamation, please do that. Or libel. Libel. Because there is so much proof. And some of the allegations that she has made against Anthony Bourdain paying off Jimmy are not able to be proved because he's dead. And to me, that makes Asia Argento a liar. I'll be right back. And I'm back. I was thinking about making this a really long segment, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give some of the highlights of the evening. Last night was the Emmy Awards, TV's biggest night. Um, Obviously... Ratings-wise, it wasn't that great. Um, Michael Che and Colin Jost did a horrible, horrible job hosting those. Um, I, I'm hoping that they bring some of the sparkle back um, next year because they were. I think they were trying to be a little satirical because Lauren Michaels um, produced and 
obviously Colin Jost and Michael Che are the anchors for Weekend Update and head writers. And normally they are very, very funny men. Last night might, might have just been an off night. Maybe the material wasn't up to par. I don't know. But it just didn't work. Um, but just some of the highlights, at least for me, some of the highlights. Uh, Regina King winning her fourth Emmy, third straight in the limited series competition. Um, that was just amazing. Um, yeah, she's an amazing actress. Um, and helped Netflix win the most Emmys of any network this year. So congratulations go to Netflix. Um, Matthew Rise won his first Emmy for um, The Americans in its final season. Um, Claire Foy won for The Crown, beating Carrie Russell, which kind of makes me sad, but at the same time, I kind of understand. And Carrie Russell is one of those actresses who... Um, will be around for a very long time and she will have another chance. Maybe if she joins the Ryan Murphy show. Um, speaking of, um, the assassination of Gianni Versace won a ton of awards last night. It was the most honored show of the night, beating out Game of Thrones. Um, it won, um, Best Outstanding Limited Series, um, Best Actor for Darren Chris, Best Director for Ryan Murphy, and, you know, just bravo. It is, I never thought the day would come when we would be calling Darren Chris an Emmy winner. He's always been very sexy, very gorgeous. Um, just, you know, all the things that you want in a hunk. And yes, he had... It was always he had enough talent to get by in Glee. You know, he could sing. He was a decent singer. Um, he was a... He was a decent actor. But there was never anything that made him pop other than his looks. And some people are arguing that it's his looks that got him the semi. He put in a raw performance, and Ryan Murphy and all of the directors really pulled it out of him. Um, you know, showing his ass maybe did help him. But you look at someone like Evan Peters, who's incredibly talented, um, and has showed his ass more times on American Horror Story than I care to count. Not really, because I just love seeing it. Um... Sorry, got distracted by thinking about Evan Peters naked. Um, you know, he has, he has yet to even... No, he's been nominated, but he has, I don't believe he's won an Emmy yet. So, there's, that's something to think about. Um, I, and I cannot remember his name, but the dude who um, directed and produced the, the Oscars used his time on stage to propose to his girlfriend, which was the highlight of the evening. That was just, you know, that is not one of those things that you ever expect. And yet, when it happens, it's just wonderful. Um, 
you know, I don't know if I would be using my moment to to get engaged, even even if I was madly in love with with a guy. I don't know that I would want to give up that moment. Um, but he did, and you know, we never know what we're gonna do until we're in the moment, and um, you know, it was just, that was just a a really wonderful moment and probably capped off a beautiful romance. In fact, I would stake, stake a guess on that. Um, Betty White was, of course, honored. Um, which, again, Betty is always a highlight of everything she's included in, so that's not really a big surprise. And I think that was basically it for the highlights of the... Oh, um, one more highlight just before I go. Um, Henry, Henry Winkler won his very first career Emmy last night for the HBO show Barry. That is something to be proud of. That is just amazing. So congratulations to all the winners. And I will be right back. And I'm back. So... Earlier in the episode, I talked about a true, a true crime article I wrote. Um, it's over on Vocal. If you want to look for it, it's called Horror in the Orphanage. Um, and I was very honored that they chose it as a staff pick. Um, it, was, it, it was very unexpected. and um, I don't know if they chose it because of the material or if I actually did a good job writing it. I'd like to think it was because I did a good job, but one never knows. Um, but I'm just going to give you the basic lowdown here. Um, in Burlington, Vermont, there was an orphanage called St. Joseph's. It was part of the Catholic orphanage um, conglomerate, for lack of a better word. And... Um, basically, the nuns in... And priests there were just horrible, horrible. Especially the nuns. The nuns really got the worst in, so I don't... Maybe there were no priests. Um, but but the nuns were really horrible. Um, there were... There were two main people um, that we talked about. Sally Dale, who witnessed a boy being pushed out of a window by a nun... And, um, Jonathan Barquin, who was just horribly abused by these nuns. Um, Barquin was, if you are very sensitive, you might want to skip this segment because I'm going to start talking about things that are very um very disturbing so Barquin was sexually molested by one of the the nuns and then after she molested him she used a razor or some sort of sharp object and cut his penis um this all came out years later when he and his wife were doing their thing um for lack of a better word there. Um, 
and cut him open and there was blood everywhere. There was another story, um, I, I believe his name was Joseph Barber. I could, I could have the first name wrong, but I definitely know the last name was Barber. Um, who, the nuns got a bunch of boys together and ordered them to rape Barber. And it, it, even when I wrote that part of the story, it really struck me as how they use gay sex as a punishment. You know, I don't... Maybe it was a reward for... Maybe it was a Maybe it was a reward for some of the boys. And a punishment for Barber. I, I don't really know what that thought process was. And that, frankly, I don't think I want to know. Because I'm, I'm honestly just traumatized talking about it. Um, Sally Dale also recalled how a nun made her eat her own vomit. Um, the exact words that were used were you're, you're not going to be stubborn about this and forced the vomit back down her throat. So, basically the way this all came to be, the way this, this all came out was um, Barbara had started a support group which then grew into a conference. Uh, or not Barbara, Barquin, sorry. Barquin did that. He also... Um, th- there was a falling out with the group who some of them felt like he was he had too much say, he felt like he should have more say, since he was the one who kind of organized it. Um, but anyways, there was a falling out, there had been a bunch of lawsuits, um, that had been filed against the Catholic Church in the Diocese of Burlington, based on these accounts. Um, and the Catholic Church at this time has no comment. Other than um, the the one thing I will add that I didn't put in that story was is that Pope Francis doesn't think you should. Um, he doesn't think that you should disown your child. You should just put him in. Um, I, I forgot what basically convert a conversion camp to convert them back to straight. So use gay sex as a punishment, but. Don't actually be gay. Sad. I'll be right back. And we're back. So, as everyone knows, The Connors is going to be premiering this October on ABC. And one of the hooks that they had to kind of drum up interest in the show was how are they going to deal with the Roseanne character? Obviously, she's not coming back. But, you know, how would you deal with her absence? And there were a lot of really creative suggestions. Um, Some of them more so than others. There was... uh, There was a suggestion that... Maybe you... um, Just have her go to rehab. 
And they they just keep extending her stay, depending on how long the series runs. Um, there was also a suggestion that um, she's around, but we just don't see her. Which would have probably been the more creative approach to this. Um, or the one I thought was the funniest was she just goes missing. Um, and, you know, that would have been a really great approach to, to handling. And then later down the road, if ABC and the production company wanted to, they could bring her back. Instead, Roseanne herself, on another podcast, and I don't know what it's called, and I'm not going to look it up right now because I don't want to, um... But on another podcast, Rosanna revealed that her character dies via an opioid overdose. Now, this is not something that's out of the blue. The character was heading that way anyway. Um, You know, she was stashing pills um, because they couldn't afford the knee surgery. It's very, very timely. And... But that being said, I don't understand how... Because at the end of the day, this is still a sitcom. And I realize that sitcoms have changed and that they deal with um, heavier subjects now. Um, Modern Family itself is going to be killing off a beloved character, although they won't say who. But it's supposed to affect the entire family and go for a few episodes. Um... But I don't understand how, you know, killing off a character via a heart attack or a medical condition is one thing. But in overdose, even an accidental overdose, there's nothing funny about that. Mac Miller died of an overdose. Um, and I, I feel like there's another one that just recently passed that was an overdose. But, you know, you trying to wring laughs out of that is not going to be... You know, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm looking too far into it. Maybe they won't be trying to ring laughs. But my point remains, even a pitch black comedy has to have some some light to it. And I just don't see where the light is in this situation. You know, and I'm, I could be thinking very short term, but... And the, the one asset that... They had if the ratings were, you know, not as good as they wanted or whatever, was that they could always rely on the promise of bringing her back. Um, even though Roseanne says that she's not going to be around for the Connors, the premiere, she's allegedly going to go to Israel and stay for a little while. Um, but it is, it is my honest belief that they could have brought her back in some capacity, even recurring or, you know, on a very tight leash. And now, now that's just not a possibility, especially if they go this route. And I know some people would argue, and I'm pretty sure that this is the, 
this is the argument that Michael Asiello would argue. The show has already killed off Dan and brought him back, so it would be very easy for them to bring Roseanne back if she completes a main culpa and um, tries to make a comeback. But then that makes Disney look weak, and I don't think that that's going to happen. But I guess we shall see. That's going to do it for me for today. Thank you guys for listening as always. And I am raising my cup to you and saying cheers. I'll talk to you later on in the week.